everyone. Welcome to the Renaissance Project, a Black girls movement. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Chase Clark, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this journey of liberation and conversation. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous momentous degree came as a great beacon of light of hope to millions of Negroes, slaves, who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro is still not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years ago, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. 100 years later, the Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition. In a sense, we have come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was at fall here. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the Bank of Justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. And so we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. We have also come to this hollowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. There is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take a tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlight path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of this moment. This sweltering summer of the summer of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until there is invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning, and those who hope that the Negro needs to blow off steam will be content will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. And there will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship rights. The whirlwind of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. 
but there is something I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protests to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must ride to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. The marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. And they, they have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. As we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. I just read the beginning of Martin Luther King's 1963 I Have a Dream speech. Hi, family, and welcome to the Renaissance Project, A Black Girls Movement. We are back for episode three of season two entitled The Story of My Life. Now, if you recall, two weeks ago, I had a conversation with my brother Landon Clark and we discussed the dress code of America. And today I have a conversation with none other than my wonderful grandfather, Louis <laughs> Barksdale. Welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Chase, for having me. It's an honor to be here on today. Aw, thank you. So I want to get right into this because I have That's... a lot to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> so I began the episode with an excerpt of Martin Luther King's infamous I Have a Dream speech. And I wanted to know if you remember when he gave that speech and like where you were and how you felt about the speech. Um. I can't remember where I was at the time, but I was certainly uh, elated when I heard that because everything that was said in that particular speech was certainly true. And as you stated earlier, we all have dreams, but sometimes our dreams is we're not able to fulfill them because stumbling blocks, uh, sometimes uh, maybe a uh, lack of Money, the lack of uh, whatever the case may be, but it's good to have a dream, mm -hmm. and it's good to whatever you can do to fulfill that dream, you should go for it. Don't don't let nothing hold you back. Yeah. So, thank you for answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to go all the way back to. The beginning. So you've lived in Martinsville, Martinsville, Virginia for all of your life? No, I was born no. in Pennsylvania. Uh, really? County, yes. Uh, in a little community called Sandy River. Mm -hmm. uh, reason we call Sandy River because uh, River actually ran through the uh, community. I was born in 1949. Uh, and But I only lived there. Uh, my mother and father only lived there for a few years. Then we moved to uh, Henry County, which is uh, Martinville is located in. Got you. So what is your fondest memory of your childhood? Oh, man. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot. Uh, 
and it would take all day, which we don't have. <laughs> but even though we uh, didn't have that much, uh, our first home after we moved to Henry County was a uh, small log cabin, uh, three rooms, had three rooms. But I thank God for the parents that I had, my mother and father. Uh, they was loving and we were protected from a lot of things that other young people's uh, people wasn't protected of uh, because during in 49 and 50, I mean, in the 40s and 50s, uh, some things took place that shouldn't have uh, taken place, but my mother and father was very protective of us and um, I always feel like because of what took place, my mother and father, uh, being a young child, uh, they would always protect us. And I, like I said, I have a, a lot of, uh, we was a very, very close-knitted uh, family. Uh, my brothers and my one sister, uh, and I have so much to be thankful for. But I have a lot of uh, good memories, and I wouldn't take anything uh, for my ch uh, childhood, even though uh, you, you you had some bad days, but your good days mm -hmm. outweighed your bad days. Definitely. I feel the same way about my family now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I the reason I began with that particular speech was because I noticed that a lot of the things that he pointed out, such as the voting rights and police brutality and injustice, a lot of those things still are like topics of conversation today. And I wanted to know how you feel seeing those things from the time that you were little all the way to now. How does that make you feel that a lot of things really haven't changed that much? Well, uh, things have gotten a lot better, but mm -hmm. we, uh, as a nation, uh, we still have a long way to go. Because things that are happening now, it, it, it shouldn't happen. Um, we as a black race of peoples, um, we shouldn't have to deal with the things that um, sometimes we have to deal with. Um, I remember um, I was, um, I can't remember how old I was, and, and uh, I was walking in town, going through town one, one day during the week. And I remember this policeman walked up to me and uh, said, you look, you look like someone that's robbed the bank, robbed the bank or robbed whoever. And I told him, uh, no, I wasn't. And, you know, he walked away. I didn't have any trouble. But as I stated, uh, we shouldn't. I can't understand where all this hate is. Yeah. A lot of hate come from uh, because regardless of our race, creed or color, God made man in his image, and God is love. And so we shouldn't have all this hate or dislike towards mankind because we all don't look alike or we don't dress alike. But I would just like to see uh, the world in general to come together. Mm -hmm. we, we, we're, we're not always going to agree. And which is good. It's good uh, not to agree. But as far as I'm disliking you or your family or just because who you are, that shouldn't take place. 
And again, uh, what Dr. King uh, and others preached on the tall on, uh, and um, the young man uh, where the police, I guess, uh, I just heard his name mentioned, uh, sometime back in, L- was it L.A.? Uh, why can't we just get along? Mm-hmm. Why can't we just get along? Yeah, definitely. Um, so going back to your earlier days a little bit, do you remember um, seeing those white only signs, those white only uh, fountains, <laughs> and how did that make you feel to see those? Yes. Uh, at the time, that was a way of life uh, in the 40s and 50s. Uh, it was a way of, of life. And uh, I didn't quite understand why at the particular time, but uh, even uh, the place we lived, uh, we used to have to catch the, uh, they had a bus coming out of Danville to Monville maybe three or four times per day. And that was our basic train, uh, transportation to uh, Martinville or Danville, mm-hmm. wherever you uh which uh, choose to go, but everybody paid the same uh, fare uh, when you rode the bus. Did I think it was D&M bus, but uh, they had this line uh, in the bus uh, on the floor. Uh, we, as peoples of color, knew you had to, you couldn't sit up front. You had right. to... Uh, Go to the back. Go to the back. Mm-hmm. And even though the drivers, I was thinking about that uh, one day, the drivers, uh, they was very, very, very nice and polite. But that was the law. And uh, not only that, uh, I know you uh asking me about but uh, yeah. certain things, but, you know, it was the unwritten law uh, because my father, he grew up on a plantation. Mm-hmm. And uh, once the child got old enough, if you uh, would choose to leave home, uh, you was told that you couldn't, even though your mother and father, sisters and brothers still lived on that particular plantation, the landowner, in some cases, didn't want you to even come back on their property to visit your mother and father. So uh, the... Uh, white on it. At the particular time, uh, it it was it was a way of, of life. But as you got older, uh, I remember Woolworth in Martinville. Uh, I think as I, I was in high, I know I was in high school, and a lot of the students uh, from the local schools they they marched there for a long time just to be able to eat there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some places. Uh, White on, you could go in and buy you whatever you chose to buy, but uh, you wasn't able to. Except, for instance, if you bought your meal or something, you couldn't sit there and uh, eat it. But like I say, it was a way of life then. Uh, then as things began to change uh, and you had people like Dr. King's and other uh, people's uh let you know that what was taking place wasn't right. Right. 
Yeah. So did you ever use any of the white only signs or did you ever disobey the law that was put there or were you just kind of like, no, no, I, I didn't. Uh, no, I, I didn't uh, disobey. Uh, if you saw a uh, sign white on it, you either didn't go in. Uh, but no, I know that really dis- disobey any of the um, mm-hmm. because. I looked at it. Uh, if they, even though I didn't have that much money, <laughs> <laughs> if uh, I wasn't good enough to, uh, maybe uh, if I wasn't good enough, my money wasn't good enough. So, right. uh, but there was a lot of good uh, white people. Uh, you you had a lot with white only. Signs, but you had so many dynamic, good uh, white people that would do anything to help you along the way. So uh, I never did have any hate or dislike, uh, even though uh, you may have had white on its signs, or sometimes even called the N word, but uh, I didn't have any hate for those people because I think it come out of being ignorance mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent. But uh, by the grace of good Lord, we made it uh, up until this present time. But even though we still have a mighty long ways to go. Yeah. Mighty long ways to go. We do. So did you ever participate in any of the civil rights marches or protests? No, I never, I never did, uh, mm. Chase. I should have, but I never did. I never did. Uh, but the only one, uh, like I said, uh, we had a lot of students uh, in the 60s, uh, basically at Woolworth, and you had some... Uh, because they had the YMCA at the time on Cleveland, I think, and and there was a, um, I think protests uh the black kids or black people protested there for a while, but no, I know did uh participate. No, mm. were you scared to, or you just didn't want to, or no, uh, I wasn't. I I really don't have an answer to uh to that particular uh question. I think uh well number one uh those who participated paid it I they was I think the most of them had been trained. Mm-hmm. Uh they had took uh some of the local pastors and other civil leaders uh I think I got my facts because uh and I didn't attend any of those uh, meetings or classes. Okay. Uh, because they was informed, even though uh, certain things would happen to them, how they respond. Mm-hmm. And so, if I had uh, participated and hadn't been to any of the meetings or took any of the classes, I might have responded the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think they was taught to be. Uh, uh, like uh, what Dr. King uh, was teaching or preaching, nonviolent. Mm-hmm. And so as, in my younger days, uh, I had a uh, temple, 
<laughs> and so I didn't participate, but I mm-hmm. think, uh, I hope I have my facts right, that the young people that did participate, they uh, attended meetings and mm-hmm. whatever and was instructed uh, how to conduct themselves, mm-hmm. even though certain things perhaps would happen to them, which did happen to them. Uh, so, no, I didn't uh, participate, mm-hmm. no. I think your temper rubbed off a little bit on me and your daughter. Cause. <laughs> Cause <laughs> but sometimes, uh, as long as you keep it in control, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's good to have one, but make sure you just keep it under, under control. control. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, one thing that I really was super excited about today when I first saw you we were on our way here is you had your Vietnam hat on. Right. So you were a participant in the Vietnam War. Yes. So were you drafted or did you volunteer? No, I was drafted in uh 1960, I think I was drafted in 61, 62, mm-hmm. and, uh, but they waited a couple of years before they actually called me in, mm-hmm. but I was actually drafted. But uh, I wouldn't take nothing in the world for the experience, uh, but yes, I was drafted. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> so... I don't think I ever talked to you about this before, but a lot of times we learn about it for a couple of days in school. And I was watching a documentary just about how um, gruesome it was and how controversial it was. So what do you remember from being um, in the Vietnam War? Oh, um, it taught me a lot. And because first thing I would like to say, I took, things for granted uh, here in the United States. But mm-hmm. once I got there and uh, saw how people live, uh, I said, we, uh, this is a blessed nation. But uh, it was quite an experience uh, because it's basically when you went out uh, in battle, you, uh, some of your friends uh, that you went out with that morning, uh, whenever you went out, uh, Men that didn't make it, uh, didn't make it uh, back to, um, we'll go out for so many days or weeks and come back to a uh, place we call our base camp where we slept and uh, showered and whatever. But you lost a lot of your good friends uh, there. And it was quite an art ordeal, but uh, like I said, uh, I wouldn't take nothing for the experience, but... Uh, and a lot of people, but I praise and thank God that I came back uh, in pretty much the same condition that I left in, only wiser. But so many, uh, I see so sometimes I go to the VA hospital now, or uh, even talk to uh, a lot of people that was there during that particular time. And uh, it's in all walls, uh, not only Vietnam, uh, but they lost their. Uh, some lost the even lost the minds, lost uh, whatever, and uh, some will be affected for the rest of their lives. I think everybody be affected to a certain extent, but I, I praise and thank God that I came back pretty much intact. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I stated, so many came back uh, 
with the loss of limbs, the loss of mind, and and also uh, I just thank God that I went and He uh, brought me back pretty much in the same condition that I uh, went. Yeah, that's I couldn't imagine going there or even being in a war. I think a lot of times, even though there is a lot of present issues with America, I think I do take it for granted that we're here in a place where we do kind of have a few civil liberties that other people don't have. And um, the fact that we're able to live in a house, a full house with AC when it gets hot and heat when it gets cold, and we have a choice of food that we can eat and where we want to go. I mean, we're pretty pretty free, (laughs) quote-unquote. But if I may, and I just hate... I didn't have to deal with this situation when I came back to the United States, but a lot of my comrades, uh, when they got off the plane, they was greeted by people calling them baby killers, uh, names that they shouldn't have been called because no U.S. uh, uh, person, I think, Everybody pretty much was sent there for a purpose. Yeah. And so we, as uh, the Vietnam vet, uh, when we came back, I didn't have to deal with it personally, but uh, a lot of vets, uh, once they came back, they was called terrible things. Uh, but if you don't follow uh as Uncle, uh, we used to term Uncle Sam, if he tells you to do something and you don't do it, you're going to yeah. wind up wherever. But uh, a lot of people, a uh, lot, lot of uh, Vietnam vets, when they came back, they didn't get a very good uh, homecoming. Uh, there was called some things, and some things happened to it that it wasn't uh, that we didn't control, uh, but... Like I said, people sometimes, they act out of ignorance. Not They do. Yeah, and that was something I found interesting. I was watching a documentary. I think it was about um, 1968 in the entirety. And, of course, it was probably not in the entirety because that was, like, a lot. It was split into four episodes, and they were all one hour long based on the four seasons of 1968. And even watching that, I felt absolutely stressed out it was so much going on you had like presidential elections and then you had the war then you had civil rights matters going on um in the u.s that, that is true and then you had some external issues and some scams here some fights here somebody was here and some blew up here and i was like this is like a lot <laughs> <laughs> and even though you know we're kind of seeing those things take place in 2020 i think we have um a lot more conversation about mental health and making sure that you're okay and, you know, taking those precautions to make sure that you're um, mentally all right. But I don't know if in the 60s and 70s they were having those same kind of conversations. So how did you find it best to cope with everything that was going on throughout the years? You mean after I got out? Um, Just anywhere, if you got after you got out or before. Oh, well, after I got out, um, for years, I had a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I don't know where that came 
from my experience in Vietnam. But uh, I was a heavy, uh, I was a heavy drinker. But uh, thank God that in 1995, I think it was, 95, the good Lord, he took that desire of alcohol away from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I accepted it. Uh, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in uh, September '95, and just made everything so much better. Uh, but uh, I still uh, didn't have the uh, the trauma, the nightmares uh, that, like I said, a lot of my uh, fellow uh, Vietnam veterans mm-hmm. had, had. But I did have a drinking problem uh, for years. Um, uh, as the songwriters say, uh, it's a song. I, I look back and wonder how I made it over, but I, I look back and know how I made it over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it was about God did it. Amen to that. So um, a lot of times, I think, as you know, I call my grandma every single day. Yeah, that's you my, do. That's my homegirl. <laughs> and, <we talk laughs> and we talk for hours and hours, and I love hearing her stories about um, all the house parties y'all used to have and how um, just like how that time was, even though it was a lot of bad stuff going on, just like being around your community, how that made it a little bit better. So I was wondering if you could tell me some something you remember from even though the time was kind of testy, like some good things that went down um, throughout your life. Oh, as I stated, uh, it, it was just I just enjoyed uh, the simple thing mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in life, uh, as I stated, I'm repeating myself, uh, I came from a close-knitted family, and I just enjoyed uh, being with uh, people because uh, my mo- mother and father, uh, their home, they always made everybody feel welcome. And so on... on um, Space of the weekends, uh, Saturdays and Sundays for entertainment because in the early forties, up until maybe late fifties, uh, no TVs and mm-hmm. maybe radio uh, get probably one or two stations. So uh, uh, we just enjoyed. Uh, I learned to enjoy peoples and my uh, where we lived. Uh, for uh, maybe about five, six years, my grandmother and grandfather, they lived within walking distance. So I just enjoy uh, in the summertime or even during the, uh, not only in summertime, but we was out of school in the summertime, walking over and spending time with them. And, and I enjoyed, uh, I look forward to, I uh, had uncles and aunties that lived, had moved north, Detroit, mm-hmm. New York, and I enjoyed uh, because during that time, most factories or plants were closed down, so they would come down and spend a week, and and uh, we're just I'm using the term hang out and just yeah. enjoy one another company. But I, I have so so many uh, good memories. Uh, and then you're talking about the house house parties uh, in the sixties when we became teenagers. Mm-hmm. My dad uh, and the other. Uh, Parents too, you know, they would allow you to have a uh, 
It wasn't like the house party on TV. It wasn't quite that. <laughs> we didn't have, we didn't have uh, 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 nobody come in, a uh, DJ or nothing come in. We just, we had the turntable. And, uh, okay. But, you know, we had a good time at the uh, house parties, and people would come in and, I mean, would come, and nobody uh, would uh, argue or fight. Uh, you, they would come in and stay until the party's over and, and go their separate ways. But if I was living now, I don't know where I would feel safe having them. <laughs> <laughs> and Open that's why we don't party. have them. That's why we don't go. <laughs> but I have so so many uh, great uh, memories uh, uh, growing up. Uh, and, and, and something I would uh, like to state, uh, we never did, talking to other young people's uh, Growing up, uh, sometimes uh, they didn't have didn't know where the next meal was coming from. But we know that uh, we always had the necessities of life. Our parents mm-hmm. were very good uh, providers, and we always had something to eat, clothes to wear. Uh, but I just have, uh, as I stated earlier, my uh, all of my good days, my good memories, I weighed my bad ones. And I, uh, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. That's good. Uh, nothing in the world. That's good. So um, I'm gonna put my mom and my aunt on a, on the hot seat for a bit <laughs> and talk about and talk about them because I just want to know. But um, when they were growing up, I think um, so they were probably pretty young, but still in the 80s ish, there was still some racial tensions going on. So. Do you did you ever tell them how to like handle those kind of things? Like, what advice did you give them in terms of like handling hate or racism or anything like that? No, I I don't recall giving them. Now maybe uh, my wife Janie did uh, because since they was girls, um, <laughs> uh, she probably she I'm quite sure she talked to them. Uh, more than I did, but I don't think perhaps I gave uh, them in because I don't know everything took place, but I know uh, they was well, basically because I think Selena, Nita, she's always been laid back and, uh, well, for as I know, uh, but Selena, <laughs> <laughs> but Selena, I, I remember, uh, especially when it was in high school, I remember uh she had uh, white friends, and they, they got a, I didn't see, and then she probably could tell you some incidents uh, that I didn't know about, but I never mm-hmm. give her in it because, uh, because especially Law Park in high school, um, she had uh, white uh, friends, a, a, a friend. Uh, they, uh, especially when they were around me, they act just like uh, I didn't see no prejudices or uh, they made any difference. And uh, and I remember when she went to uh, college, went to Ralford uh, one Friday evening. Uh, I think they was on the way to some someplace, Georgia, someplace. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, I can't remember how many people it was, young ladies it was, but uh, it was black and white. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite sure she could tell you some incidents that took place that probably uh, things happened that it was so upsetting to her or maybe she had to 
bigger piece of her mind. But getting back, I know that really give her any advice how to uh, deal with uh, certain situations that she had to deal with it. But hopefully, uh, I think she did okay because she never did go to jail or anything for dealing with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, that's true. <laughs> but you know, it, it can it can be uh, a learning experience uh, too. Um, and then sometimes we have certain incidents uh, because sometimes maybe it's our fault because I I have seen. Sometimes we as colored haven't always did the right thing or said the right thing to our white sisters and brothers. And so it's always a saying, in all to have friends, we must uh, be friendly ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> so I am, we're like at the very conclusion of our, our interview, um, but we kind of talked about it in the beginning, but what do you make of the riots that happened this summer? Oh, uh, sometime you, uh, as long as they're peaceful, I don't agree with burning, looting. Uh, but sometimes that's what it takes. Uh, well, let me use demonstration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you act, I don't agree with uh, rioting, but uh, demonstration, uh, sometimes that what it takes to get people's attention. I agree. And sometimes uh, we do things uh, because at the particular time we're angry. Uh, but I don't agree with people's uh, riding or looting or burning or taking someone's life. But uh, to demonstrate uh, from time to time, uh as long as Dr. Uh, as Dr. King say, uh, non-violent, right? Uh, but sometimes, uh, and I know you act for riding. I don't agree with. No, you're fine. Uh, when you uh, have ri- uh, riding, but uh, a lot of time we do have to speak up and we do have to demonstrate to le- really let people know that we're not pleased with what's taking place. I agree. Um, I remember mom and I were talking about what happened this summer and what I thought of it. And when I first, when all the rioting first started, I was like, you know, power to the people, I guess. You know, that's what they want to do. That's what they can do. Because, you know, it's making up for all of these years of injustice and everything. But after looking back on it, I was like... We probably, as a culture, we probably could have organized those a bit better. Because, you know, um, the the riots and the looting kind of took the face of the protests instead right. of the nonviolent um, protests that were happening, especially um, the ones that happened in those bigger cities. Um, and so that kind of took away from the point of the whole movement because it, it just sh- overshadowed the actual nonviolent protest and the things that were actually taking place, which I did not agree with after, you know, having that evaluation. But I do think that it's really important for us, I think there is a certain way to do things and a certain time that, to do things. That is so true. Yeah, that is so, so true. I, mm-hmm. uh, uh, may may uh, I say this? Uh, I know your time is up, no, you're but I certainly like the way uh, it's the Greensboro mm-hmm. Four. Greensboro Four, yes. I like the way they uh, when they did they they were sitting in. I like the way they did it, and I, and they 
got a lot. They got things that come, but they didn't do it violently. Right. Yeah. The amen to that. Yeah. And um, and, and to close, I want to, I think it was this summer, um, and you came down here. I think it was the summer. You came down, and we, you, um, my mom and I, we went down to A&T, and we got to see the statue. And for me, while I was there, again, kind of like um, I said with Landon's episode, I didn't really understand the magnitude of it because it was, I've seen it before. You know, I could just go down down the road and just see it and be like, oh, okay, it's a statue. And then go to Woolworths, oh, okay, it's a museum, it's cool. But being able to see you stand there and just kind of be like in awe of it. And um, even though you weren't saying too much, I could kind of just see like the story playing out in your eyes from what you remember. And um, you told us you were about 19, 20-ish when it happened and you could kind of like retrace those steps. So for me to see you um, be able to look back at what where we've been and see where we are now and then even in a way see where we have to go, see where we're going, it's just really um, beautiful. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show to just um, vocalize that and have an opportunity to talk about that. So I really appreciate you being on the show and coming down. I know you're a busy man, a sharp man, a sharp man. <laughs> so in closing, I have one last question for you. And um, again, you kind of touched on it in the beginning, but if you had any advice or had any advice for this um, upcoming generation, for my generation, Landis generation, what would you say? Uh, this is a slogan uh, from uh, the U.S. Uh, US Army, uh, be all you can be. And don't let anybody tell you you can't be who you desire to be uh, because you have people uh, attempt to put stumbling blocks in your path, but put the Lord Jesus Christ first and regardless what you have to go through with to achieve your goal, uh, I uh, just tell them to uh, go for it uh, because it, it, I know, uh, know even when I was in high school, sometimes people would tell the students of certain young people. Uh, and let me say this. Uh, I hate to hear parents tell their, their own child that you are not going to amount to nothing. Mm-hmm. Don't know what. Uh, tell a child they can't amount to nothing. But don't let nothing uh, hold you back. You may have some stumbling blocks. Uh, you may have some, you may have to cry sometime, but don't let nothing hold you back. Because with God, all things are possible. Amen to that. What a great closing. I knew you was going to tear it out. I knew it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, yes, sir. So thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. Um, and to the listeners, thank you for tuning in to the third episode of the second series, The Story of My Life. Until next time, I am your host, Chase Clark. Thank you for tuning in to the Renaissance Project, a black girls movement. Want to join the combo? Contact me via Instagram at the Renaissance. P-R-J-C-T, or you can email me at the Renaissance P-R-J-T at gmail.com. If you feel led to donate, 
you can do so by sending your funds to dollar sign chase ac7 on cash app it is not required but definitely encouraged that's all from me i hope to see you next thursday until then be well